Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to the latest Outsports podcast. It is late July. NFL training camps have started, and Jim, I believe you and I are finished with our vacations. Are you, where, you know, you're headed somewhere in August. I'm going in two weeks to the Rocky Mountains. The Rocky Mountains? You're going to a Broncos game? You're going to go see your, your, your Peyton Manning? No, they're, they're actually going to be playing that weekend in Denver. I'm going to be up in uh, Vail. Well, Vail's like an hour and a half from Denver. You could go both. Uh, it's exhibition football. Peyton will be on the field for like a series. I'm not going to, they probably still cost you a hundred wow. some dollars to get in. I mean, the biggest ripoff in sports, the preseason for, they call it preseason football. You don't want to call it an exhibition. Well, that's interesting, right? It should be. Well, yeah. Why? Well, it's game three, I guess you could, you could get some Peyton action, but otherwise. Yeah. Game three, you'd get, usually they get a half at least or something. But yeah, the yeah. first game, each guy will. You know, the Romos and the, you know, Aaron Wright, they'll get like one or two series and be done. And game four is the well, biggest ripoff because nobody plays in game four. Well, the the key guys, Michael Sam battling for roster spot, got a lot of playing time. But, yeah, you're right. The, the yeah, stars, yeah, yeah, meaning that if you, if you know, you want to go see the Stars play in the preseason, do not go to game four because they're all on the bench. Yeah, I wonder if they actually sell out those preseason games at NFL Teams because they 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 seem so addicted to each team having two home games in in the preseason for revenue purposes. But I can't. I mean, I can't imagine they actually make that much revenue. Oh, they make a ton of money on it because they don't pay the players. That's why they want to keep it at four games when they realistically uh, say they can go to two games. And for any season ticket package, you have to buy ten games. You buy the eight regular season games, and you have to buy the two exhibition games. Even if you don't go to them, you're still, you know, you're you're still paying ticket money, and so it's found money, which is why they love it. Then they get the networks to pay, how many millions they pay for the rights to broadcast these things. So that's why there's this big push. You have a lot of coaches saying we could have two games. We we don't need any more than two games to get sort of you know ready for it. And that's why the NFL said, okay, we'll go to two games, but then you will have two more regular season games. And the players union are going, no, we want just two exhibition games and 16 games but the owners don't want to give up two more weeks of revenue. And then you imagine all the parking concessions, all the, you know, all the food stuff. So yeah, TV revenue. Yeah. They make a a good amount of money on these things. Well, speaking of TV revenue and, and, and the media, speaking of, speaking of revenue, we got to talk about our uh, sponsor, AT&T mobilizing your world. Uh, Well, yes. AT&T mobilizing your world. Which, bought, uh, they, which now owns NFL Sunday Ticket because they just bought out uh, Direct TV. 
Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, so oh, um, DirecTV is now owned by AT&T, and for the next so three years, be, apparently... What? Are they going to make it available? Can you watch it on your computer? Oh, you can watch the Sunday ticket on your computer. You can, yeah. Yeah, when I'll go, when I'll go out of town during the football season, uh, I've often watched games on my computer. Well, Jim and I have had NFL Sunday ticket owned by AT&T mobilizing your world for quite some time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, well, a report came out this week that two uh, gay NFL players who are in the closet won't come out of the closet publicly because of the media, because uh, they they will get attention and some reporters will want to talk to them and some cameras will show up at their games and, and they just don't want that and that's what's keeping them in the closet. Jim, you know, it's 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 interesting when you're in the closet thing, we we've both been there and and there's an element of fear and fear is not always rational. Do you do you find this fear and you can't you can't we can't say whether these guys are afraid of it or not, but do you find this fear reasonable? Do you find it I mean, a, a, is it a legit fear? I mean, do they really have reason to fear the media? Well, I mean, I can understand it. You know, this, it's like, you know, you're trying to look at the motive for a crime. I can understand why they feel that way. But what's interesting about the way this report was phrased by this broadcaster, he said he knows two players who want to come out but don't want the media to make a big thing about it. And to me, that has the element of someone who's using it as a cop-out because – Everybody knows if they come out, it's going to be a big thing. It just is because there's nobody who's out. So I think these guys are being disingenuous in a sense by almost using the media as their reason to not come out. Well, I'd come out except it's going to be a big deal. I don't want to be a big hassle. Um, You know, I I understand the mindset. Nobody wants to be, or a lot of people don't want to be, unless you're a Kardashian at the center of a lot of attention. I mean, it's going to happen, but as you and I have documented well, the attention really is a rather brief amount of time when it it becomes a thing, and then everybody kind of moves on. I think two weeks after Jason Collins came out, you and I had a conversation, was kind of like, God, the story's kind of done already. You know, and for God, for a while, that was all everybody talked about was Jason Collins. And even with Michael Sam, there clearly was a big deal when he came out in February, and then there was a. But then, really, not, there wasn't that much until the draft came. I mean, even his combine, it wasn't like people, uh, you know, not the combine, the after combine, the, the pro day. He had a pro day. pro day. The media wasn't overrunning that pro day, and it wasn't reported in any more unique way. And the Rams consistently said he was not, in their minds, a distraction. So. People seem to think that the media is going to be hounding them 24-7 for a year. It's not going to happen. One, the media doesn't really hound in that case. They usually have, in the case of the Nets, when they signed Jason Collins, they had well-organized press conferences where they let the media ask any questions. And at a certain point, what are you going to ask Jason Collins? You ask him the same questions 20 times, there's nothing new to report. This isn't like we're talking about a crime or, you know, an investigation or something where you could – it's simply a guy stating his sexual orientation. So I think it's a bit of a cop-out, even though I can understand why they feel that way, that, like, you know, if this uh, – and you, re- you you did a video on where the, the upside is so much more important than whatever brief flurry of attention they're going to get. 
Yeah, and if you want to call in and weigh in on this, the number is 347-945-7834. I think one of the things that you hit on was really interesting, what these guys actually said. Because some people, when I posted this, were very angry at me. How how dare you want to out people? Well, I never yeah. said I was going to out anybody. <laughs> that wasn't even part of the conversation. Or that um, you know we all come to terms with our struggle in our own time, and you know you, you you were there in the closet, and you you should understand better that you know it's a personal struggle. Well, I I totally understand that, but from the report, these guys have already gone through that struggle and are on the other side of it. They have come out to some teammates and and coaches and and friends and family and other people. They're out in their personal lives. So this idea that, oh, these guys have this struggle that they're going through, well, it sounds like it's the struggle's over. And now they just have to figure out what to do about it. And and yes, this idea that the media is somehow keeping them in the closet, people, again, fear is irrational. And so I can't say that this isn't part of their fear. I just don't understand the fear. I just we hear all the time that athletes want to be known as athletes first, and they don't want to be known for their sexual orientation. I don't think that's going to change. Robbie Rogers is, you know, the gay soccer player, but he's also now a an MLS Cup champion. And and two years after coming out, he's just kind of one of the soccer players on the Galaxy. It's, it's really him being gay just isn't part of the day to day reporting of soccer at, at, by any stretch. So. It goes away, I don't know if it's days or weeks or months, but it does go away, and and the media fades away, and what you're left with is a pretty incredible legacy. Yeah, and we've seen every time we have done stories, I mean, Robbie Rogers and Michael Sam and Jason Collins, the three biggest names ever, you know, who are in you men's know, out while, in men's, out, meaning, out, you, know, you know, talking about the men in this case, out while they were still active. And they have changed so many lives, and I know they have saved lives. They've had people saying, I was at Whitsand thinking about suicide. And, and then even when we run stories by high school athletes who don't have a profile, they hear from people, you know, who just say what a difference it made. We ran one, um, I think it was a swimmer a couple of weeks ago, and he, he wrote me and said the day he came out, three of his classmates came out to him. You know, just say, oh, you know, that I, I, I've been wanting to tell somebody forever and I saw your story. It was like, you know, a, a, you know, three people sort of who all of a sudden felt comfortable and empowered by this. So imagine if a NFL player did it. I mean, the, 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 the thing would be immense. You see that female coach for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, sure. she's now showing that, hey, you can be a woman and you can get a coaching job in the NFL. And she said how she, she's very conscious of this being now possible, as she said, for girls, you know, to do this, to look up and say, I can maybe have that job. So, yeah, I think that the benefits far outweigh any, any, you know, distractions you're going to face for a little while in your personal life. Well, and being in professional sports, most athletes want attention. Media attention equals endorsement deals. It equals higher public profile equals money and and as so many people were so quick to remind me the average nfl career is three and a half years and you know it's it it would always be tough for me to recommend to somebody struggling to make a roster to to do anything other than focus on your sport and 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 your craft and and not making waves i mean if you're a number 53 54 55 56 guy 
that's tough. I would, I, I would never tell that person that they need to come out. I would, you know, I can suggest to them that they do. I could, you know, I could kind of help them along, but you know, they've really got to be careful. But talking about guys who are secure in their jobs or even worse to me are the guys who are retired, the guys who are retired and who are in the hall of fame and who are financially set for life. It's, it's a, to me, it's a crime that those guys don't come out of the closet. That, that to me, is, is really, really uh, discouraging. Yeah, and I've never heard a good reason why not. And, you know, Billy Bean has talked to a few, he said, and they just almost don't want to even address it. It's, <clears throat> you know, that it really is that even retired athletes make a difference. I mean, Dave Copay has made a huge difference in the 40-some-odd years, and he came out after he retired. Um, and yet he is still able to have an impact. I mean, Saratua Olo's had an impact. They've all had impacts even when they're retired. So this idea that oh, the media, the fans, all that's gone when you've retired. So why are you still doing it? And we, you know, we've heard from people who, who say, well, I was comfortable in my own social circle. But then when they came out publicly, it was like, wow, I didn't realize I'd have this impact. I wish I had done it sooner. And so it kind of always frosts me that, again, in this story that, um, you know, these guys say they want to do it. So I think they're kind of using the media as, as a bit of a crutch. But I want to ask you, we, there was one of the comments on that story from someone, and I always thought, hey, you should come out in the off season. This guy said he, they should come out during the season because there's enough other attention around the NFL that it would get sort of quickly lost in the shuffle. And what do you think of that theory? What's interesting, I, I never really thought of that. We've always said the off season is the best time to do it. And, and certainly if you do it week seven of the NFL season, like we, we saw Michael Sam, you know, when he was cut by the Cowboys, that story, it was barely reported and he just drifted away out of consciousness. And, and so, yeah, that, that is interesting with, and the reason that was, is because there were, there were games happening, scores happening, results were coming every week, every now with Thursday games and Sunday games and Monday games, you don't go more than two days without another, without more scores and results. So it, that's interesting. Uh, you know, it's there have been college athletes who we have worked with. The guys who play vol play volleyball at Erskine College, Drew and Juan, they came out in the middle of the season and they went on to make the NCAA tournament um, as, as a very small school. So that's interesting. We've always talked about the the pitfalls of doing in the middle of the season, but maybe it is a better time. I've never really considered that. I mean, why not do it week five if Brady's suspension holds? He's coming back in week five. <laughs> That's all I'm going to be talking about, Brady against the Colts on Sunday night football, come out Friday of week five, and <laughs> basically no one will pay yeah. much attention to it. Yeah. I mean, it's well, sort of a joke, have... but it's like, good. We have a caller from, from Indiana. I, I yeah. can imagine who this might be. <laughs> hi, how are you? Uh, hi, it's Robert. Hi, guys. Hey, Robert. Hi, Robert. Hi. You know, it's funny. I, the thing I used to hear so much about when when the issue about coming out has always been money, you know, losing that valuable income, losing the endorsements because people feel like, you know, well, if I come out, then all these other companies are going to drop me like a hot potato. And, you know, my feeling is in this day and age, there are so many companies who are, LGBT inclusive. That's the yes. You may lose some some endorsement, but 
chances are, if you're a gay man with any sort of self-esteem and pride in yourself, do you really want to need endorsement of some place that would drop you like a hot potato if you did come out? So, you know, I, I have little patience for people who feel like they don't want to be bothered or be, be harassed by it because I think it's used it so many times. There are so many people that young kids who need that role model and that person to look up to, and the selfishness of it just drives me absolutely crazy, I think. Do you understand well, their reasons at all? I'm sorry? Is it, do you understand their reasoning at all? You no, don't I don't. I think it's just selfish. I'm sorry that the endorsements are there if you're worried about that. The attention is going to be minimal. It will go away. It, it's it's all about worrying about losing some sort of money, I think, a lot of times that just isn't isn't there to lose. And as I said, I mean, even if you do, even if you were to lose a, some sort of endorsement for a deal because of coming out, is that the kind of company you want to be endorsing to begin with that's going to drop you because you're gay, because they don't respect you as a person, they're scared of having you? I mean, I, I just don't buy the whole money argument. That's why I hear so much from different people. It's about the money, the endorsements, what it would cost them to come out. And I don't think it would cost them anything. I think they have nothing but but things to gain from coming out now. Well, we have to remember. We have to remember that, that fear is irrational, and and it's very hard to uh, reason with somebody who is afraid of something. So they, the the you know Martina Navratilova lost millions of dollars in endorsement deals 35 years ago. So that same mentality is still, I think, still present in the sports world, even if it isn't in the corporate world. And you're absolutely right. The companies that would come along and want to sign you. To an endorsement deal because you came out would far outweigh any company that might want to drop you, uh, and I doubt any company would just drop the person. They would, they may not renew a contract or something like that. But nobody's just going to get dropped like a hot potato because they came out. No, no I don't, can't imagine any company, uh, even Chick Fil A, would not do that in today's environment. Yeah, and I think that. Uh the social media storm, if a company did just <laughs> drop someone immediately, would be be a huge backlash. And so it just um, seems that today, in today's modern corporate world, it's not it's not really a bad it's not even a bad thing in anybody's mind to be gay. So they probably feel proud to have a gay. Oh my God, our guy just came out as gay. That's really cool. Well, Jim, Another I Martin. remember. Well, Jim, I remember even when Martina Navratilova came out. It was yeah, she lost a lot of endorsements, but I remember also she gained some endorsements. I mean, Apple was incredibly quick to put her on. I remember the advertising in the magazine she did for Apple not too long after she did come out. So I mean, even though she lost a lot, and it certainly was she didn't gain what she didn't get back what she lost at that time. She didn't just simply lose everything like people are so afraid they're going to lose. Well, yeah, they did. You're right. They didn't lose everything. She didn't lose everything, and 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 nobody is going to today. All right, Robert. Thank you so much for calling in Thanks. from the road. Where are you driving through right now? I am currently parked in New York. Just thought I'd take a moment. I was parked <laughs> in and say hi to you guys, and haven't had a chance to listen to you all live in quite a while. Well, great right, to have cool. you. Well, thanks for calling in. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Well, yeah. Again, it's you know, it's, I think you can throw so many different fears that people have and and we've documented why the fear isn't reasonable again fear is not necessarily reasonable or rational it's just it's just not it's it's just fear 
based on often misinformation. And that's where it's where again, this was just this was a series of Twitter posts by this NFL analyst and radio host. So it wasn't like it was a detailed story, but they even used the word fear. It's like they want to come out, but they don't want the media to make a thing of it. It's almost like it was conveyed as more of an annoyance than it was like even a fear, like, oh, I gotta have to answer all these questions, uh, you know. And that's why I think it was a bit of a cop-out, because I really wonder if these guys really do want to come out, because, as we said, they know there will be, a, it will be a, quote-unquote, thing for a while. But there's yeah. so many ways to minimize it. So, I, you know, if these guys are really sincere, they ought to think about the good they're going to do versus whatever, you know, inconvenience they're going to put up with. And everybody who's ever come out on their own terms, and we're stressing this is beyond their own terms, has said it's a positive. No one's ever said, I regret coming out. No one. Yeah. Well, Tim Tim Kruger just uh, tweeted at us that uh, you know when a superstar comes out, the media attention can make it hard for that single person to do their job well. Well, if the person is a superstar, they already have immense media attention. You look at uh, what what Tom Brady experienced heading into the Super Bowl, being accused of of, of purposely deflating footballs and being a cheater, and his legacy is tarnished, and a month and amidst all of that, all of the media days and everything else, he went on to be the Super Bowl MVP. So it, it, yeah. these superstars are already used to the media attention. And there's the, the, we can guarantee the media attention is going to be positive. It's simply to be the media want, wanting to tell the story, and they're all going to want a piece of them, clearly. They're all going to want their own exclusive interview, but no one's going to be writing critical stories. I mean, you're, the Brady's a good example. He was taking a lot of heat from people. He wasn't getting... You know, he got, I mean, it was a lot of pushback, people wanting to ask a million questions about the football, all that stuff. And so he was under a lot of adverse media attention. A gay player is not going to be under adverse media attention. It's simply going to be under a lot, just a lot of it. But there's ways to management. I mean, you manage, you can, it's easy to manage. You had one press conference and invite the media and you stay there for two hours and let them ask every question, eventually they're going to get bored and stop asking questions and there's nothing to say. I mean, it really is. A, it, you know, yeah. it's, it's not hard, actually. And, and Jason Collins and Michael Sam, you know, the, your first practice, your first road game, your first home game, you get some questions and media and, and then that's kind of it. I, it, just, it just goes away. Yeah, but, uh, and, yeah, this, and, uh, yeah. So Brady is a great example you use because yeah. with Brady, you could have asked Brady a hundred questions that lead to more questions, right? Regardless of whether you think he did it or not, right? There's, you, it's almost like you're, you'd be having an inquisition. With a gay athlete, at a certain point, what's there to ask him? How do your teammates react? How do your coaches react? What's your, you know, at a certain point, you, there's nothing new there's, because this person hasn't done anything that is controversial. Yeah. Well, controversial, well, whatever, controversial, sensationalist, uh, you know. Well, I mean, I yeah, mean, controversial in the sense of like you know, Brady. Yeah, Bra like the Brady thing was like an investigation. And so this is, yeah. you know, this person wouldn't be, quote unquote, accused of doing something. He'd simply say, I'm gay. And at a certain point, what new, like how many times have we sort of, somebody said, would you want to talk to athlete X? And you and I said, God, we've written so much about them. We don't know what we'd ask him anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, with Robbie Rogers is, is a great, another great example of a guy who came out and then, 
you know, I was there that first day. He had a press conference with the Galaxy and, and then, um, you know, at the MLS Cup. And he just, you know, by the time they won the MLS Cup, six, 18 months after the Galaxy signed him, he just, he was just kind of a guy. Like, the media did ask for, it did ask to talk to him, like they asked to talk to about a dozen players. And there were some questions about being gay and whatnot, but that was the end of it. And what's, what, again, what's so cool is that, Robbie, you know, just this week we got to post the story of a of a teenager, a fan of Robbie's, who unfortunately went to a game that Robbie was supposed to play in, and Robbie was suspended for the game because of yellow cards. And then Robbie sees that and and sends the guy a gift and and a, and a and a, and a, a candid photo of himself. And that that kid is just going to feel so much better about himself because of Robbie's gestures and Robbie being out there. And and that's just the power that you can have in other people's lives that you don't have being in the closet. Yeah, exactly. And and Robbie is continuing to inspire, you know, soccer players everywhere who look up as a role model in this particular uh teenager story. He talked about his five favorite athletes of all time, you know, JJ Watt, James Harden, Kevin Love, Craig Biggio, but number one is Robbie Rogers because the guy's a huge soccer fan, had played soccer until he got hurt, and writes a story about how he, you know, he goes at the game on Pride Night in Houston, and Robbie, of course, is benched because of the yellow card. Robbie, <laughs> Robbie saw the story. I, you know, I don't, th- I, I don't think you saw it. I didn't send it to him, and he saw it and got him one of his uh, the bags. He's doing these fashion bags, and it's like that makes such a huge impact. And an NFL player would have even a more of an impact just by being himself. And showing, hey, I'm out. My team knows what, what the players say. Some players know and are fine. Some kind of basically just don't. Even, but a lot of people, some people don't ask questions, right? They simply accept it, and it's not part of the, their workplace. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's funny. I mean, the, the Houston team organizes its Pride Night around <laughs> yeah. Robbie Rogers coming to the and playing, and he's suspended for yeah. that. One match. Yeah. Though I imagine like every MLS team has had their pride night around Robbie Rogers. <laughs> well, Dale Scott, but, the gay umpire, happened to be umpiring the Tampa Bay Rays pride night where Billy Bean was there. And so Billy just said how <laughs> funny it was that, you know, it just coincidental that, you know, Dale was the umpire and Billy's there, you know, as part of the whole pride event as part of the Major League Baseball. So. Yeah, and with Robbie, it just—it's funny. I even told the, the Jeremy, the writer, I said it's actually a better story for you that he wasn't there. You never would have got a personalized Twitter message <laughs> in a bag if you had just seen him warm. You know, so it's actually probably a bit, you know long, long term. He's all my friends are so jealous when I told them. So <laughs> that's funny. Uh, just one last quick thing. It's been—it's been interesting to watch Jim this year. Uh, this last few months, and really since I guess Caitlyn Jenner came out, the trans issues in sports are just, mm-hmm. it's absolutely everywhere. I mean, we have a trans athlete next week. We had one this week. I got, I'm posting a story uh, shortly about ESPN's first out trans employee going to the ESPYs as the personal guest of the president of ESPN. And it's just incredible how this issue the trans issue has just has taken hold so quickly in in the sports world. Yeah, it's really been huge. I mean, it's sort of supplanted the gay like gay the gay issue seems like oh that's that's like last week. <laughs> now you know now it's trans athletes and it's it's a great it's a great thing. We have a story going to be on a uh, competitive bodybuilder who um, 
you know, basically learn to love his body for the first time by through bodybuilding. And that's going to be uh, next week. And it's a great story. And we had the powerlifter, cha- world champion powerlifter, uh, and then the ESPN thing. So, yeah, it's really, it's really good. I think a lot of it is the, the Caitlyn Jenner thing. Is, is, I mean, there's been a lot of others, of, you know, not, not just a single out Caitlyn, but that has been a catalyst. And I, I have not watched the series, but the reviews of the series were that it was really well done and extremely sensitive and not sensationalistic and tabloidy. So if that's the case, that's making it an even more powerful show. Yeah, I saw the first episode, which aired on Sunday, and it was, it was Caitlyn in her home, uh, her family coming over and visiting Kanye West pimping his shoes, and and then Caitlin went down to San Diego to visit uh, a family that had lost a trans teen to suicide, and it was like, <laughs> wow, it's just it really was just incredible to watch these people from Caitlin's past and from Caitlin's now future just uh, reconciling themselves with this new life, and then I. I Meet more trans people. That's that. That I can't wait for. Um. Well, I hear our music starting. <laughs> I, the music is starting, and it's like I, I, I don't know what is going on. It has its life of its own. It just it does its own thing. But uh, our podcast was sponsored by AT&T Mobilizing World. It had nothing to do with our music. Yeah. Mo- yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's never ending. Well, anyhow. Um, I'm sure next year we'll be talking NFL as Jim and I have some interesting takes on the season ahead, gay or straight. And, um, yeah, we'll talk to you then.